We're just looking at uh, several Proverbs as we are uh, on our family vacation, right? And we are been, we've been taking those. We've, we have enjoyed uh, vacations, or you're planning on enjoying one, I hope. And so with that, it just kind of makes sense. We're all taking our own family vacations. Let's look at what uh, wisdom there is for the road of life that the Lord has for us. What is the wisdom that we have to take us on our own trip in this thing called life? And I'm reminded of uh, several trips where uh, I was driving a van with uh, a bunch of teenagers in various churches that I've been in. And uh, have y'all ever, like, when you're driving, especially in the summer, uh, uh, just a rain shower will pop up that's just like a monsoon, and you're driving, and you're like, you know, people are crazy when they drive in the rain, right? Because some people will just, like, you're on the interstate, and they're just go. it's like nothing happened, right? And you can't even see in front of you, like, your windshield wipers don't go fast enough. You know what I'm talking about? Just nod your head if you know what I'm talking about, so I don't feel like I'm the only one. All right, thank you. And so, you know, you're going like slow, and then people have, do you put on your hazards? Do you not? I don't know the rule. I really don't know. I just know people do that. I don't know that's in the book. I can't remember, right? So it seems a little more confusing to me than just not having those on. But that's what happens, right? So it's debatable. And you're just hoping, could I get to where I could pull off? And you see the people, they're already taken up, right? By motorcycles or something like that, but they're underneath the overhang, right? The road that goes over. And if you didn't get to stop, you get that brief moment of respite, right? Where you're driving, and then all of a sudden, nothing. And then poof, right? It's back. And we, in times of trouble, in times of difficulty, we're looking for that covering, that place to keep us dry, to keep us safe. We um, went to Dollywood recently, and we were driving the little cars. You know those little cars and Colt was driving me right and so we we're having a lot of fun it, it was sprinkling a little bit while we were driving and that was okay and then we got to a tunnel and it's like oh this is so nice a little kind of long tunnel but by the time we got on the other side of it and you you can't control these cars they just automatically go so it's not like you can stop all of a sudden it just the bottom falls out and we're, we just started the ride. You got a long way to go. We came off of that thing soaking wet. I had to give Colt my hat because he was like, you know, and so then I'm, you know, don't have a hat, so I'm soaking wet. That momentary respite was, was a godsend. We didn't even know how much. In life, when trouble comes, we look for a way out, a, a way of, of respite, a way of covering a moment just to say can I just get a break and we know if we know our Bibles and we know if we have a relationship with Jesus that we have available to us in time of trouble in time when it seems like everything is hitting us constantly we have a place where we can find we don't just seek refuge but we find Refuge from the storms of life. Amen? Today we're going to look at the wisdom from Proverbs 18, verse 10, and see where we can run. A sure place. Not just a, a hopeful place or maybe place, but a sure place that you and I can find protection. Let's look 
at Proverbs 18, verse 10. Since it's so short, I'm going to let you stay seated. But you honor God's Word by the reading of His Word in this moment. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are protected. This is the Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You and I see two things about protection available to those who trust in the Lord in this simple, short proverb. Number one, we see that the Lord's name is a place of refuge. The Lord's name. We sing his name today. We lauded the name of Christ. We held high the name of Christ. And because of that, you and I have refuge, protection. It's a place that we can run to all the time. So no doubt we've heard that the Lord is a place we can run to. Psalm 46, 1 through 3 helps us to see that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And other places in Scripture help us to see that as well. And God is a place where we can run. We can run to Him in times of difficulty, in times of fear, in times of plenty, in times of wonder. He's a place that we can go to and find our strength, find our refuge, find our respite. But this verse is a little more nuanced. It says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The name of the Lord. Here in this proverb, we see that the proverb writer is helping the reader to see that God has a reputation for being a refuge. We've also heard that the power of the name of Jesus that there is power in the name of the Lord, the power in the name of Jesus. I want to draw your attention to Philippians 2, 9 through 11. It says this, For this reason God highly exalted him, Jesus, and gave him the name that is above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So the name of Jesus is powerful, it clearly helps us to see that there is power in Jesus' name. Power to cause everyone who's ever lived, who ever will live, to one day bow at his feet. There's power in the name of Jesus. And here in this proverb, the proverb writer is helping his reader to see that God has a reputation for being a refuge. That's what that word means there. That word name means that he is known for this. It is his name that is a strong tower. He is a place of refuge, and that is the reputation that God has. Think about that. It is God's reputation. It is the thing he is known for for being trustworthy and able to protect in time of need. That's what he does. That's who he is. That is his character even. 
That's what wrapped up in the, the original language of this one word. It is his reputation, is what he's known for. It's his very character to be a strong tower, a place for protection, and a place for you and I to go to. Now, that is the reputation he had at this time. That is the reputation he has had for mo the most of human history. But something is happening and has happened in our day. I'm not saying it's like unique to our day, but it seems to be ramped up a little bit more where people are calling into question the whether, whether God exists or not. And I would tell you, if you look at human history, our God has had a reputation for being real, number one, but also being loving and kind and able to save. Think about the people that the Israelites encountered along their way after they had been rescued out of Egypt. And word spread quicker to the people who lived in these various uh, tribes and clans and places then sometimes the, the Israelites even realize, and I'm reminded particularly about when, when they had arrived to Jericho and the Lord had, was going to give them Jericho to take over. And you remember they encountered Rahab the harlot, and she said, we are terrified in your God. Your God has a reputation that he's going to protect you, and we are terrified that we're here in this place and so this one person believed more highly than the whole nation did, and God spared her and her family because of her faith and because she knew that God was who he said he was. She believed the reputation God had. If you are in a time of trouble today, friends, God's reputation is strength and power for the weak and needy. Won't you come to him today? Won't you come to him today? And like this verse says, don't walk, run. Run into his arms. He is a God who is trustworthy, and his reputation is power and might available to the humble, available to the meek, available to the ones who need it the most and recognize that. Would you come to Christ today? In our day, what reputation does the God of the Bible have? And I would say part of that reputation that, we, that I feel he sometimes has is a result of the people who bear his name. You see, you and I, not only have a strong tower that you and I can run to, the reputation of our Savior, of our Lord, of our God, but you and I carry that banner. We carry his reputation to a lost and dying world. And so if the reputation of the, that God has amongst the world is one that he doesn't exist and that he's powerless and that, you know, who is he? Why is antiquated? Why would we believe these things? In part, it's because we, as the body of Christ, have misrepresented him. And my prayer is that you and I would bear his name with humility and truth 
and that you and I would give him a reputation with our lives. How are you representing Jesus today? The second thing that we see here about the protection we have in the storms of life and on this road called life is that the Lord's covering is a place of protection. So we said the Lord's name is a place of refuge. The Lord's covering is a place of protection. The proverb writer evokes the word righteousness. And he says it's the righteous who can find ultimate protection in the name of the Lord or in his reputation. But what does that word mean and who is the one who is righteous? And what makes a person righteous? Just like the name of the Lord is a covering for the troubled, the Lord provides a covering for any sinner who places their trust in Him. This is called righteousness, and it is something alien to you and I. The righteousness that receives the Lord's protection is not anything you or I can drum up or muster up or do enough good at. In fact, Romans uh, 3.10 says that there is no one righteous. No, not one. Jesus, when encountered by the rich young ruler, he says, good teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, why do you call me good? It wasn't because God or Jesus wasn't good. He was trying to help this man see that he wasn't just a teacher. He was God. He says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God. So you and I, as, as human beings, cannot muster up enough good in and of ourselves to be righteous. The, 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 the testimony of Scripture shows us that we are not righteous on our own, but you and I can have righteousness imputed or imparted on to us, and you and I can display righteousness, thus finding protection. So how do we do that? How do we find this covering? I think uh, we see the whole of Scripture teaches this. Number one, Isaiah 61.10 states this. It gives us a picture of what was to come. It says, I, I rejoice greatly in the Lord. I exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation and wrapped me in a robe of righteousness. As a groom wears a turban, as a bride adorns herself with jewels. It's pointing to the righteousness that you and I would have imparted to us or imputed to us because of what Christ has done. That is something, not something within us, innate inside of us, but it's something that can be imbued or placed upon us. You, cannot, you and I can have a covering similar to what happened in the garden with Adam and Eve. Think about it. They, uh, the, G, uh, God comes down in the cool of the day to have his normal little, little walk and talk with Adam and Eve, right? And they're hiding. Why? Because they've realized they're naked. They, they've realized they're vulnerable. They've realized who they are and their need. He says, we can't come out. We don't have any clothes on, right? And uh, we talked about the DST last week, right? The Derek Standard Translation or D Derek Simple Translation. So in that translation, Adam says, we're naked, so we can't be coming out, right? So not naked, naked, all right? And 
God provided a covering for them to hide their shamefulness, right? It's a picture of what was to come. It's a, a shadow of what was to come, that the righteousness of Christ would cover you and I and make us right in the eyes of God, that it would be imparted to us. And in Philippians 3, 9, we read that we can be found in him not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. So not only do we have a covering and protection for ourselves for the trouble we face today, but through Christ we have eternal protection, eternal covering, a place that you and I could run to to find eternal salvation. Can I just say for a moment, we, we've, we've stated, you know, how thankful we are for our freedoms, and man, I, I am. You know, I, I even got a dollar uh, tie that has stars on it today. I love the freedom that we have in this nation. I love this nation. You want to get me to cry? You know those videos where the veterans come home and surprise their family members? I will cry on the middle of the floor, curled up in a ball. I love, I love them and hate them at the same time. Because, but if you need a good cry, that's it. I love our country, and I'm so thankful for the sacrifices that people have made. But our country is not a substitute for the protection and the safe haven that can only be found in Jesus. We know that, right? We understand that, right? I'm thankful for our democratic process, I, as messy as it can be. I'm thankful for the, the balance of power right now. I'm very thankful for that because you, it, the, the government is crazy. I'm thankful that we have a Supreme Court that is protecting our religious freedoms. I'm so thankful for that. But I cannot place my hope in those things. Those things will fail us. They failed us before. They'll fail us again. But Jesus Christ is sure, strong, and is far above those things. One day all this world will pass away, but his kingdom will remain. And will we have found our, 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 our strength, the power? Will we have found our respite and our rescue and our refuge in his arms? I beg you today, friends, find your hope in Christ. He covers our sins and gives us righteousness, the great unexplainable exchange. Isn't that, isn't that an amazing exchange? Hey, here's my sin, Jesus. Okay, you get righteousness. It don't make sense, but it's true. All we bring to him is our sinfulness. All we bring to him is our guilt. All we bring to him is our shame. And he says, I'll give you my righteousness. Will you believe in him today? Will you trust him for the forgiveness of your sins today that by faith in him, you'll be clothed in his righteousness? In just a moment, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. But I don't want to miss this. I want to give you an opportunity. It's a little bit different than what we do normally. Jesus is a place the righteous run to and are protected. That's what this proverb says. Friends, if you need 
the eternal protection of Jesus Christ, that it can only be bought, it was only bought by his blood, would you run to him today? I would just give an opportunity at this moment, right in the middle of my message, if you would trust in Jesus Christ today, would turn from your sin, turn from your selfishness, turn from your own way, and repent and turn to Jesus alone. Would you run to him today? Would you run into the loving arms of Christ that were nail-pierced for you? Would you come to Jesus today? I believe that maybe there's someone here today that needs to trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Would you do that today? You can do it right where you sit. You can pray a prayer that is so simple but you have to mean it with all your heart. It would sound something like this. Would everyone bow their hearts, bow their eyes, and bow their heads? And if that's you, if you want to trust Jesus Christ today, would you say these words in your own way and mean them with all your heart? Jesus, I've placed my hope in too many things that will one day fail me. But I know now that you are, you have the reputation of salvation, you have the reputation of forgiveness, and you have the reputation of being a place that I can run to. Help me run to you today and be saved. If you said a prayer like that today, I want to encourage you, I want to pray for you, I just want to encourage you to take the next step of obedience, and so if that is you, would you come see me afterwards? Just come and say, I prayed the prayer. I need, I, Jesus saved me today. I'd love to know that. I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to encourage you. If that's you, would you do that? Lord, we are thankful. We pray that you continue moving in this moment as we take of the Lord's elements. It's in Jesus' name I pray. So I'm going to draw a connection here, and it's not difficult to do because we talked about Jesus being the strong tower that we can run to, and the reason he is that is because he bought our righteousness with his own blood. The Bible says that, um, helps us to see that the blood covers us and buys our righteousness. It gives us that right to say, no, I'm not righteous because I can't be, but Jesus' righteousness is what God looks on and sees. It's because he died. Because he was, his body was broken, his blood was spilled. And it's because he went to a grave and stayed there only three days and rose again and defeated all those things on your behalf. And so today, we get to take a moment to remind ourselves of his sacrifice through the, through the communion. First Corinthians actually says that we commune with his death. We commune with his body. We commune with the blood that was spilled. And so today, we're going to do something we do once a month here but I pray that it would be fresh for you. You want to know how you can respond today? To take the bread, the juice, and to remember what Christ has done for you. He's loved you. He loved you. He died for you. And he's a refuge you can run to.